This episode is sponsored by Visual Media. Are you an entrepreneur or a small business looking to take your brand to the next level? Then Visual Media is the service for you. Visual Media is a video production company who specializes in creating high-quality visual content for social media, websites, and online courses. Head over to Visual Media on Instagram and drop Resilience in their DM to get started. That's V-Z-U-A-L-M-E-D-I-A underscore to get started. What's up, everyone? This is Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown, the number one podcast for anyone looking to have a greater human experience. What's going on, everyone? It's another episode of Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown, and today our guest is Dr. Davis McAllister. Dr. Dr. McAllister, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. So uh, kind of going along the theme of the resilience and action, uh, this is kind of a, you know, the story that I have that, that I share with people is that, um, you know, I grew up in the 80s. I was a latchkey kid. Uh, you know, only people in the 80s really know what that means. But, um, you know, it just meant that your parents worked from, you know, can to can't and, you know, you were expected to kind of take care of yourself, let yourself in when you got home from school. We all wore keys around our necks to get in the house and everything else. And, um, you know, but that lends itself to becoming pretty resilient and, and resourceful and trying to figure things out on your own and, and you know, just trying to find a way to overcome no matter what the obstacles because you didn't have anybody else to ask or to, to bounce things off of. And as I got into high school, that started to kind of become a problem, uh, especially in my relationship with my parents. My parents, you know, they worked all the time. <clears throat> I had no doubt that they loved me, but I had no relationship with them. Um, and then <clears throat> we got, you know, it, it started kind of rolling along and, and things just kept getting more and more heated while I was in high school. And eventually my dad just said, get out mm. and, and kicked me out. And um, I spent about three and a half months on the streets, uh, literally on the streets, you know, sleeping wherever I could and uh, scrounging up food wherever I could. I did have a part-time job at a grocery store, so that at least gave me a place to be when I wasn't going to classes or whatever. And, and you know, my escape was uh, joining the Army. So I went into mm-hmm. the Army and uh, did that for eight years. And, you know, when I went and talked to the recruiter, it was, you know, we'll give you a place to sleep, play, food to eat pay you clothes to wear, just do what we need you to do. And that was better than what I had going on at the time. And, and, and in all honesty, I don't know where I would have ended up uh, if I hadn't done that. So, um, but I, you know, I worked in military intelligence, uh, worked my way up through the ranks and, and kind of found, figured out who I was and, and, you know, how to goal set and how to, how, you know, the self-discipline that goes along with it and, and all those things. And then, uh, made the decision to get out, go to school, uh, finished, I went to school at Mississippi State, finished my bachelor's degree in two and a half years. Wow. Uh, yeah, I just went, I just went to school straight through uh, all year long <clears throat> and didn't take breaks. Uh, ended up walking on. I was, uh, my last couple of years in the service, I started becoming a competitive power lifter and was doing pretty, was pretty successful. Still doing that when I started going to undergrad and Ended up my organic chemistry lab partner and I went and worked out one day. He was like, dude, you're like really strong. You need to come out and come come play football. 
And of course, I'm at a I'm at a D1 school, and <laughs> I was like, "There's no way they're going <laughs> to let me come play football." Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, "No, we actually have a walk-on tryout coming up." And so I went to the walk-on tryout, and I was one of a couple guys that they kept. And and so and I was 25, almost 26 years old at the time. And uh, but you know, coming straight out of the military, going right onto a, a college campus, that you know, there there were some adjustments there. <clears throat> I would probably recommend, you know, people coming out of the military to give themselves a little bit more uh, adaptation time going from military to civilian world. Um, I, I went from actually being in a non-declared war zone area uh, at that time to being on a college campus within a month and a half. And what was that? Like, I'm going to pause right there because that's very interesting. What was your mindset like? It, I mean, I was still, I mean, it, you know, I'm used to being, I was used to being in a, an environment where, you know, there's consequences of everything that you did. Um, there was accountability. Uh, if, if you made a bad decision, it could cost somebody their life. And so, and, and having seen all the things that I had seen around the world and, you know, I traveled the world and, uh, and and got to do all these high speed, high level things, and and then go to sit on a college campus, and I was with a bunch of eighteen, nineteen, you know, twenty year old kids that, that, you know, all they all they've known is mama and daddy's house, and mm-hmm. and, and and I'm 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 certain that there was probably some that had some hard luck stories that they're they were there, you know, and had to work their way there, but that wasn't the majority of the people on the campus, yeah. and yeah, it was. Um, you know, for lack of better terms, it, it, you know, caused a lot of frustration, uh, a lot of anger on my side of it. Um, just trying to, trying to cope with that and deal with that because it, it was like, everybody got on my nerves. Uh-uh. Everybody complained about something like, why are you complaining about that? That's the biggest thing you have to worry about today. And, and so, um, you know, it, it, it was, it was, it was tough uh, yeah. to start with. And then when I had the opportunity to actually walk on and play football, and I'll be honest with you, I did. I never cared if I ever got to play. Um, for me, it was an outlet. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I could get out there and I could go hit people and not get in trouble for it. And and so it kind of became an outlet. Um, and uh, you know, that that was a little bit of my coping mechanism going in. Knowing what I know now, um, I, I should have given myself more transition time and a little bit more time to to adapt and um, back into the civilian world and you know. Yeah, because I mean, kids would do stuff, and there was no accountability. There was no, there was no recourse. There's, you know, it, it, it was driving me crazy. And um, I tried living in the dorms for a little while. That didn't go well. Yeah, uh, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, so I ended up ended up, you know, getting an apartment, and uh, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great part of town, but it was an apartment, and it was. <laughs> It was off campus. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you, I had a two-bedroom apartment with a full kitchen and full bath, and I was paying uh, $250 a month. Okay. <laughs> Definitely not the best part of town. No. <laughs> but but it was one of those things. Nobody messed with me. You know, everybody left me alone. So, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, it was it, – it really, you know, forced me to, to have to – integrate back into civilian society a whole lot faster um, and, and really kind of come to grips with what is okay, what is not okay, you know, what what in the military can carry over, 
what cannot, what do I have to leave back on, you know, uh, back on the post when I left and, and trying to sort through all that as I was going through undergrad. My, but my main thing was I was focused on, on school most of the time. Mm -hmm. I was taking 20 to 20, you know, anywhere from 20 to 25 hours a semester um, and, and playing football. That's full, and, full time. Yes. <laughs> full, yeah. full time on yeah. top of football. Yes. Did you have, did you have any you time? Did you have any time just to sit with yourself? No, and I didn't want it. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I didn't want it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those things too. When you come out, when you're coming out of the military, there's when you've been exposed to certain things, and there's a little bit of a coping and a adaptation that needs to take place. And mm -hmm. sometimes that alone time is not good. Um, it's better to keep yourself busy. It's better to keep yourself occupied. Um, so for me, actually going and playing football and getting to work out and do all those things, that was my that was my time. Um, and then, you know, I would have my time that I would focus on study. You know, my biggest thing was just keeping myself busy all the time. Mm -hmm. But that's what I was also used to. Mm. You know, you know, joining the military, you know, they, you know, they're not kidding with say most people do more. We do more before nine o'clock than most people do their entire days because. Yeah we're up early and we're cranking it out and you know, we already got our PT in and we've already started working and whatever our, you know, our job assignments are, that type of thing. And, um, you know, so you're used to staying busy and on the go and, 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 and so that was just what I was used to. So, I, you know, going to school, I was, all right, mission is, is get my get my degree. Let's get it done and get it done quick. So. So you got your degree, your, your bachelor's in two years. Two and a half years. Two and a, two and a half years. Yep. Goodness gracious. Um, would you change anything about that specific? Would you Would you have slowed down, um, or would you keep everything the same? I, I think for that time period, I would have kept it the same. Mm, okay. Yeah. That That time period, I would have kept it the same. Um, you know, there there's definitely some things. You know, um. After that, it, it, you know, part of part of all that transition going from, you know, being kicked out of my house to going into the military and then going to school, <clears throat> you you adopt a you know persistent survival mode and it's a survival mindset. So you constantly feel like you have to fight everything. Mm. And, and it was still that same mindset going through school. I'm having to, OK, this is my next battle. My next battle is to get this degree done. Let's see how fast I can get it done. And, and I kept straight A's all the way through school um, and, uh, you know, did very well. And then while I was in school, I got introduced to chiropractic. When I initially got out, I didn't know what I wanted to major in. Um, I had a language background. That was part of my job in the military. I had to learn languages. And so I learned a couple of languages. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, maybe international business might be, you know, a possibility. And I started taking the business classes and I had to take a political science class. And I'm like, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, this is not me. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, <clears throat> I went to go see my uncle that lived in San Antonio. And uh, he took me to a chiropractor for the first time. And he was like, I'm going to take you to see my chiropractor. And, you know, I was beat up after eight years in the military and then playing college football. And, yeah. you know, I was pretty tore up. And, and he said, I'm going to take you to my chiropractor. And I'm like, what's a chiropractor? And so <clears throat> he took me to his. And um, after that first visit, that was the best I had felt in years. Mm. Um, I got out and ran that night. That was the best run that I had, you know, I didn't, I didn't hurt all over when I was running and, 
<clears throat> I could actually take a deep breath while I was running. And I was like, you know what? this is something I think I can do. I can help people. I can, you know, I can get a doctorate degree and, you know, I don't necessarily have to work outside, which is, which is funny in the long run because I ended up having a stint where I was coaching um, in the, in the state of Texas, you know, coaching football in the state of Texas is, you know, when you hit those two a days, you got a hundred plus, you know, degree a day. So I ended up doing that anyway, but um you know, so I, I changed my major, went to uh, pre-med and uh, to get all my prerequisites done for chiropractic school. Went ahead and finished my degree. Um, you know, I, I was pushing through. I had a general science degree. If I had stayed in, if I'd stayed at Mississippi State probably a year longer, I would have finished with more than one degree um, as fast as I was cranking through things out. But it didn't make sense to me to have more than one bachelor's degree at the time. I wanted to go ahead and get to my doctorate program and so that's what I did and pushed through, moved to Dallas, uh, enrolled at Parker University to, to get my chiropractic degree and uh, did that. Met my wife while I was in school. Hmm, okay. And um, we, uh, it was funny, she and I met, uh, I started working for another doctor, uh, just doing some work around his office and going out and helping with marketing and that type of thing. I was just trying to learn the business side of it. So I'd gone to work for a doctor and we were out at an event and uh, he decided to sign up for a booth out at this trade show of uh, like flea market type deal. Uh, they call it McKinney trade days. And I had gone out with him and, um, you know, my uh, now wife was with her parents. She didn't even want to go that day. Her parents made drug her out and made her come. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she came up and talked to me and, and, you know, I've always had a little bit of a kind of a baby face. And so, um, you know, I was wearing a ball cap, so she couldn't see I was losing my hair already. But, uh, you know, her mom was like, you heard to go talk to him. She goes, she goes, I am not looking for another child to raise because she had two boys from a previous marriage. And <laughs> <laughs> what she didn't know is I was, you know, 28, almost 29 years old at the time. And, and, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, we ended up, you know, I gave her my card and just said, well, if you, you know, decide that you want to come get care or whatever, here's my card. And, she ended up calling me about a week later and I was down in San Antonio visiting some family and playing golf. And, and, uh, we ended up talking on the phone and came back a week later, went on our first date and we've been together ever since. So that's beautiful. Yeah. You never really know. Yeah. And it's one of those things too. Our first date was more like a uh, cross interrogation because, you know, she grew up, her entire family was military and police. Her dad was a police investigator uh, in uh, San Angelo, Texas, and um, and so she she knew how to fire questions, and we pretty much knew on that first date this is either going to work or it's not. Right at the end yeah. of that first date, because we both had already gone through our share of you know bad relationships and 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 everything, and um, you know it, it was pretty much a sixteen hour date, and it was just one big long cross interrogation and. Decided at the end of that date, all right, we're staying together. <laughs> we, we got, uh, we, we met in August and uh, got married in December. So, wow. Yeah. So every parent's nightmare when they, <laughs> fortunately, you know, we were, we were full grown adults at the time and we've been together for 20 years. So 20 years. Congratulations on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, what has, one of the lessons that you've learned um, mm-hmm. about yourself 
while being married for the last 20 years. <clears throat> As a man, it can be difficult to openly talk about your feelings and problems you may be facing in life. For decades, society has told you to man up and that men don't cry. But we know that bottling those emotions can have severe consequences. That's why RJ Zimmerman created a free men Zoom group that meets once a month. A judgment-free zone where you can find support and resources to help you through life. Visit www.untappedkeg.com to sign up. Um, this is one of the things that uh, I, I thought I had patience, and you know, and when you when you pray for patience, be careful what you pray for because God will send it to you. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, between having uh, kids, we have five children, and uh, two the two older boys were from her previous marriage. We don't use the term step in our house. Um, uh, they've, they've never called me stepdad. I've always been dad. Um, you know, was with them when they were seven and four. Um, when, you know, my wife and I got married and it's, uh, it's always been dad. And that was by their own choice. With anything I asked for, that was their decision. I wanted it to be their decision. And, uh, when they both turned 18, they both took my name. Uh, their biological dad would not sign off for me to adopt them. So, gotcha. uh, when they turned 18, they, they made they made the decision and filed the paperwork and changed legally changed their name. So, but, um, you know, I had a lot of growing I had to do. And, and in all honesty, probably one of the biggest things that I learned in 20 years of marriage is everything I had to unlearn. Mm. I, lot, I had a lot to unlearn, yeah. um, based off of the way I grew up. Um, and I mean, cause you're always going to resort back to what you know. Whether mm-hmm. you intend or not, we can we can resolve. I'm never going to raise it. You know, I'm never going to raise my kids that way. I'm never going to treat my spouse that way. <clears throat> but if you don't replace it with something, you're going to resort back to what you know. Yep. And you know, and and mine was a lack of patience, um, and you know, very easily disconnected. I could very mm-hmm. easily disconnect because that's what I had to do growing up. Of course, um, that was my survival instinct. Was, yeah. was when things got tough, disconnect and not intentionally having to be intentional about not disconnecting when things got tough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's, you know, probably one of the toughest things that, that I had to overcome. Um, when, when things get tough, you can't just walk out the door. You know, it, it that doesn't work. Uh, you can't run from everything. You got to stay, you got to stand there and deal with it. And, and anything else in my life, that was my mindset. I could do that easily. But when it came to the relationship side of it, I struggled. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, it, it took some, it took some time and thank God my wife is more patient than I am because, you know, and I had to have somebody that was pretty hard headed. We're both very type A personalities. And, um, you know, I had, I had to have a very strong personality to be able to, you know, to deal with me. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How did you unlearn uh, those defense mechanisms? And are you and still in the process of unlearning to this day? 
<clears throat> no, I mean, I'm, I'm, it, it's about creating habits. So you have to sure. you have to break a habit and you have to create a habit. Yeah. And if you read, you know, the general guidelines, it takes 30 days to break a habit, it takes 30 days to create a new habit. And it's really hard to do both at the same time. So really, when you're trying to establish a new habit, you're looking at a minimum of at least 60 days of being conscious about something and not doing it. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing, too, is, is also recognizing the warning signs when when you're kind of getting to that point and, you know, you're you're frustrated and, um, you know, recognizing what that sign is and having an effective communication system and being OK with my wife being able to tell me, look, you're getting amped up. You need to. You know, you need to take a deep breath and just, you know, relax and, you know, we can deal with this. We can talk through this. Just, you know, um, and, and you know, being able to recognize those warning signs. You know, it also helps, you know, getting older, maturity, you know, kicking in yeah. and, you know, <laughs> age, age kind of mellows you out a little bit. But, uh, you know, and my wife both had kind of fiery personalities, too, when we first, you know, uh, you know, it's funny, there were, there were times that we, you know, when we compared notes, even growing up, there were periods, you know, uh, when my my wife and I were in high school, she was from Texas and I was from Mississippi, but her, she, her dad was traveling with the Navy. And at one point in time, we were within about three hours of each other. And there was several times throughout our lives that we were near proximity to each other, but, you know, it wasn't time for us to meet yet. Mm -hmm. And, um, so and, and based off of what I knew about her personality, I knew my personality. There was no way it was going to work. Out for yeah, I was about to say <laughs> it wasn't it happened at the time it was supposed to happen because you had to become who you were going to be. She had to become who she was going to be. And mm -hmm. you both had to figure out how to navigate that journey together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yep, absolutely. That's beautiful. That's wow. 20 years. Mm -hmm. And just, I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've had your share of, of ups and downs and twists and yeah. turns. And, yeah. um, is there anything that you would have done differently in your relationship wise? Um, yeah. I mean, there's things that I wish I could go back and undo. I mean, you're going to make mistakes. Sure. I've never cheated on my wife. I've nothing along those lines, but mm -hmm. you know, sometimes, sometimes you, you, you say something that you shouldn't have said, yeah. um, you know, or, or, you know, you, you turn around and, and took the wrong attitude about something that you shouldn't have. Um, and, and, you know, that's one of the things that we've tried really hard to, to teach our children is that, you know, um, you know, this is just like firing a gun. Once that bullet leaves the gun, you can't take it back. Mm -hmm. Once you once you allow those words to leave your mouth, you can't bring it back. You know, and and you have to be careful. Uh, we've also used the analogy: we take them, gave them a clean piece of paper, and told them to wad that piece of paper up. Now, once you try to flatten it back out, smooth it back out, and they're like, and and we'll ask them. Said, does it look like it did before? And they were like, well, no. I said. Were you able to get it flat again? Well, yeah, kind of, but it's now wrinkled. I said, that's what happens when you use the wrong words. You know, you're going to do damage to people. You can apologize. You can try to straighten it back out, but the damage is still done. Mm -hmm. And and so you have to really learn to pick your words, you know, your words wisely and, and take that minute to, to step back. And that was one of the things that I really had to learn is taking that step back, taking a deep breath, 
and thinking about what I said before I said it mm-hmm. and, and thinking about how it was going to come out before I said it. Um, you know, you, you have all these different personality types. Uh, there's, uh, if you read, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, he had the seven, seven love languages um, book, uh, but you know, everybody's got a personality type and everybody speaks through their personality type, yeah. certain personality types, uh, which mine being one of them is that you tend to act first, then think, and then listen. Mm. And, and so I had to consciously change that order to be able to communicate better with my wife because she was a completely different personality type. And we're going to hear things through a certain filter. This is why you know, I'd spend a time teaching and coaching. I can stand in front of a room, classroom full of people, and I can make one statement, <clears throat> and I could get 30 different interpretations of what I said based mm-hmm. off of how they process and how they filter information coming in. Yeah. And, and taking the time to learn that. My wife and I went through a class and, and uh, learned what those different languages were and how people process and filter. It made me, it made me a better parent. It made me a better spouse. And also made me a better teacher and coach and, and, you know, doctor and all these things and being able to be conscious of how people process information and, and learning how to recognize their personality type and be able to speak through their filter. Cause we, we hear things not as they are, but we hear things as we are. Mm-hmm. We have to know what the we is, you know, uh, for each individual. Absolutely. I always say that we are living in our own personal realities mm-hmm. and our lived experiences kind of shape how we see, how mm-hmm. we hear the world. Yeah. Uh, like you said, you could say one thing and it's, 30 different interpretations because Mm -hmm. of their respective reality. And I think it's so amazing. And I think we're moving into a time where that consciousness is becoming more of the norm. Mm -hmm. And I love to see it because we're going to continue to misinterpret. We're going to continue to butt heads on the certain topics, certain things, because we're not understanding that we're viewing things from our perspective yeah, and no one else's. Yeah. And then, now we have to figure out how to break down our perspective to let someone else in and let them see it. Yeah. That's difficult sometimes, yeah. especially if the, the topic, whatever the, the, the thing that you're talking about is a difficult mm-hmm. conversation. It's it a, and and sometimes and sometimes with some some of those conversations, it, it may be one of those things that you never see eye to eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. And, and sometimes you have to agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. And and you know, so long as but I feel like so long as there's respectful uh respectful language going back and yes. forth, that that's what's important. We can agree to disagree on something, we can be on opposing sides of something, but we've got to be able to sit down and be able to talk it through and you know, if, if the conclusion is, is that, you know what, it's, if it's just better that we don't talk to each other, then that's OK. I'm OK with that. Mm-hmm. You know, but let, let's let's come to a, a, a good, solid understanding without, you know, that becoming a, a conflict. Absolutely. Absolutely. That respect is a big, a big key <laughs> mm-hmm. that that gets lost on people sometimes. Yeah. Um, we can we can have a disagreement. We can have a conversation, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. We don't have to try to change each other's minds. I think it's more important to 
say what you need to say, let them say what they need to say, and then decipher whatever that outcome is what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Anything else is, it's a lot of noise and that's where the tension comes. That's where the 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 disrespect and the bad, poor decisions and bad behavior, that all of that stems from not having the, the, the chance to really sit down and, and hear. Yeah. We're, we're, we're listening to respond, not necessarily to, to hear, to understand, mm-hmm. to take in the information that we're getting. Yeah. So, I mean, go ahead. I was going to say, just think, think about this from a work standpoint. You know, you may not necessarily get it, get along with everybody at work, but those people that you may not necessarily get along with, you can do one of a couple of things. You may still have to, you may still be in a situation where you're forced to have to interact with them, but you can react to them professionally without it resulting in a, in a major conflict mm-hmm. unless somebody's doing something intentionally to you know provoke the other. But, <clears throat> you know, you, you can still take a professional attitude with somebody and still be able to work alongside them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even in the military, there were people that I had to work with and work alongside that I didn't like on a personal level. Yeah. But because because the job was important and, and our job was important, we had to be able to work work together. And then outside of that, you know, we didn't have to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we can do that on, on those, why, why can't we do that in, in any other scenario? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, people will exercise what I refer to as uh, social schizophrenia or social multiple personality disorder. You know, they, they're, they're around when they're around one group of people, their personality is this. When they're around another group of people, their personality is this. Why not just be the same person, be the best version of yourself, no matter what realm that you're in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and you don't have to change your personality, you know, based off of who you're around. You shouldn't mm-hmm. have to, you know. And if um, you do, you need to take yourself out of it, out of that group because you don't belong in it. Yeah. It's not anywhere you have to when you show up somewhere and you ha- you feel like you have to be very, very inauthentic, then you have no business being in that room and that space in the first place. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, um, you're an author, you're a speaker. Mm-hmm. Tell me, tell us a little bit about that. What, um, what's your book? Where can we find it? And what encouraged you, encouraged you or motivated you to, you know, want to get up in front, uh, get up on stage and, you know, share your knowledge and expertise to mm-hmm. groups and groups of people. Yeah. Um, so the book that I wrote is uh, called The Pillars of Powerful Parenting. Guess what your teen told me today? And they came from my days of teaching. I love that. And uh, that book was actually uh, 10 years uh, writing that book. So mm-hmm. what happened is when I started teaching and coaching, I spent some time teaching and coaching. And I would have kids that would come in and talk to me and uh, just inadvertently found myself end up being a mentor for a lot of kids. I don't know if it's just because of my personality type or because my wife says that I have a very unapproachable look. So, Hey, 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 if you're enjoying this content, do not forget to rate and review. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, be sure to rate and review. It helps us reach more people in more ways. Now, let's get back to some resilience. <laughs> I don't, I don't, <laughs> she, um, but, but I think because 
I didn't pull punches where kids were concerned and I would be honest with them and, and give them an honest opinion. You know, they would come and talk to me and ask me for advice, you know, and the kids that knew in my class, I would share them with them my background. And I would tell them, especially the seniors, you know, just a few months from now, I'm going to be sitting, you know, I was sitting where you are. I said, now imagine this, you have nowhere to go after you leave here, you know, and you have nobody to go to when you leave here. I said, that's where I was at. And, and so when you kind of share that back, that story with them, it connects with them and it, it gives them a little bit different perspective of who you are. And, but, you know, I found myself being a mentor and all these, these kids would come to me for advice, having problems with their home, you know, relationship stuff, friendship stuff, you know, whatever. And some of the questions that I would get would just absolutely floor me. And, and I would go home and I would tell my wife, I'm like, I hope our kids don't have these kinds of questions or if they do, who are they asking them to and what kind of advice are they getting? Mm. And, and you know it makes you really step step back and think about your parenting and when all this was starting our oldest was just starting in the high school and um you know i was you know my wife and i would just sit down and like okay you know wh- wh- where are the problems with all these these households and these scenarios and i was able to narrow it down to 10 main areas that seemed to be a consistent issue with with some of these kids that had troubled households and even looking back at my own household. And we wanted to look at it and say, okay, how, how would I take this? How do we, can we take this and apply it to our own family? What do we need to change and what do we need to do? And the first thing that we needed to do is that we needed to change our mindset about how we were looking at our kids. Mm-hmm. Most parents, most parents, parent reactive. You know, they're always reacting to whatever's going on at that moment and never thinking beyond that. Mm-hmm. You have to parent from the standpoint of what is the end product It's what they call backwards planning or backwards goal setting. And I don't, I don't normally whenever I do goal setting, I kind of use the smart goals type type format when I do goal setting, when I'm looking at business or that type of stuff. But when it came to parenting, what made more sense was the backwards planning. You look at what the end goal in mind is, and then you work backwards from there uh, of what the steps are to get there. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, that's what we decided to do is, okay, what, what do our kids need to look like when they get ready to walk out this, walk out this door and, and be considered adults? Because your role changes. You're not a parent anymore. Technically, when they walk out the door, now you're more of a, an advisor and, and a guide and, and, and those types of things. Because technically, they're adult. Whether, whether they actually have the maturity of an adult or not, they're still considered adults. And they think they're adults. Yeah. And you're not always going to agree with the decisions that they make. Um, but you got to decide if that decision is going to be the deal breaker in that relationship or not. Hopefully not. But um so we, we spent 10 years putting these things into practice and then I kind of got a, you know, kind of got a download and, and a message that I needed to go ahead and finish the book. So I finished the writing the book in 10 days uh, when I had stopped writing it. Uh, I think I had made it through about chapter five or six and then there's 10 chapters in there and I finished writing it in 10 days. And uh, went through, had to get some help with the publication process and figure out how to do that. Figured out the best thing to do was self-publish. And um, so my book is out on Amazon mm-hmm. and then decided that uh, on the advice of a friend, he said, you know what, you probably ought to do a workbook with that. And so 
I spent a month writing a, a workbook. So there's a workbook for it as well, a study guide uh, that goes with it as well that's out on Amazon. Um, that you can find both of those. I'm in the process of writing another book as well. Uh, I'm almost finished with it. It's a book on success principles. And right now, the working title is The P's of Success because for whatever reason, all the all the words that I kept coming up with with the steps, you know, ended up being P words. For <laughs> like, all right, well, we'll just go with that theme then. Um, but um, you know that that has lended itself. You know, the book and and you know I've, I've had opportunities to be able to get up on stage and, and speak in front of people uh, from a healthcare standpoint. You know, because mm-hmm. I do work with a lot of athletes, so I'm primarily working sports. Uh, and working with athletes and and I'm also a certified strength and conditioning coach so I've combined all those aspects together and so I've gotten to travel quite a bit and speak on those topics but I've really wanted to kind of change gears and really what my goal is is that I would like to get to a point where that's what I do full-time is just travel around and speak and uh, I've been able to branch out into topics on leadership uh, success principles um you know, I'm getting into uh, because I am a veteran, uh, you know, I'm looking for veteran groups to get in front of and be able to talk um, and, and be able to share my, my experience of, of how I transitioned from, you know, being in the military to being a civilian. And in my clinical side, I've gotten to work with a lot of veterans and, and retired uh, professional football players with uh, traumatic brain injury, con- chronic concussion, things like yeah. that. And seeing a lot of the problems that they have come up with and how it's affecting them, affecting their relationships and, and those types of things. And I really want to be able to make a, an impact and make a change there. So, yeah. I love it. love it. That is, um, that's admirable to say the least, because you could keep all this information, keep it all to yourself and no one would ever know. Yeah. Right. No one yeah. Well, no one would ever know. But I, I had a saying that says, um, knowledge is like magic. It's great to possess, but greater when it's shared. Yes. And and I stand by that. I don't even know where th- those words put together. I don't even remember where they came from. Yeah. But I know I will never, ever, ever forget the sequence because it rings true in everything that I do, everything mm-hmm. that um, my guests do. They, you all have had such amazing journeys through life. And the one thing that separates you from everyone else is your willingness to share, right? Mm-hmm. Your willingness to, to jump on a call, jump on a stage and share your ex- life experience with other people mm-hmm. in hopes that it makes their lives maybe just a little bit easier, Yeah, you know? I, I don't, I would love to change the world, right? Wouldn't we all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but if we can just impact one person yep. and and they, their impact impacts another person and it's just a snowball effect of, uh, of positivity and mm-hmm. intentional empathy yeah. in, the, in the world could be, will make it such a better place. Yeah. 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 Uh, my, I feel like, you know, I feel like I have a God given purpose that he's, he's got a plan for me. And, and my plan at this point is to, to get where, you know, I can, I can affect people talking to people one-on-one. You, you're going to make an impact that way. Um, but John Maxwell wrote a book called 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. One of the things that he talked about in there was the law of multiplication. If I take and I impact 10 people 
And then those people go out and impact 10 people. I've affected 110 people at that point. And, and it continued to grow. And so, you know, that that's the standpoint that I've kind of transitioned to. I've been able to help a lot of students, been able to help a lot of interns and um, people along the way, just in little small, small groups. And I feel like that I have grown and matured enough in, in that transition now to where I want to start doing bigger and bigger groups of people and, and, and pushing it out wider. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I'm wishing you nothing but a success in, <laughs> on this journey. Um, so we know where we can get the book. Um, mm -hmm. How can we find you on the internet and how can we support you? Okay. Uh, so I have a website. It's drdavismcallister.com. And uh, I always tell people 1C, 1A, 1L uh, on my last name. Don't, don't add extra letters. Uh, <laughs> it's already long enough. So uh, just 1C, 1A, 1L. And uh, I've got plenty of uh, stuff on my website. I have a media spotlight on other interviews that I've done and, you know, spotlights that I've had on TV and radio and, and things like that. If people want to hear other things, um, you can also find links to my books on the website. Uh, there's also opportunities that people would like for me to be able to meet with them and, and kind of coach them through. We, we get them a copy of the book and the workbook, and I take the time to coach them through the process and help them make those transitions. Um, and the, the big thing that I'm looking for is I'm, I'm just looking for more speaking opportunities. I want to be able to get out and go talk to groups and uh, be able to be an impact. There's so many different things that, it, you know, I've got a, a coach. Everybody should have a coach and I've got a coach. And when we sat down and she started, because I have so many different areas that I tap into, mm -hmm. my resume looks more like a shotgun blast than it does, a you know, because most people, when they you look at their resume, there's kind of a linear, you know, line of things that they've been consistently involved in and it doesn't deviate too much mine is all over the place because i've been in you know with chiropractic i've been on the sports side i've been a coach uh and i still coach um you know i'm a veteran uh you know and, and so i have all these different areas that i like to tap into and and you know things that i that i sit down and i want to share especially on the leadership side mm -hmm. um, you know i've had i've had some really really great leaders and I've had some really, really horrible leaders. And then I have, I've had some variations in between. Um, and, and if I can help, help people along those lines, uh, be able to be better leaders. Because if, if you're a great leader, you're going to take people and you're going to develop and cultivate people that are up under you if you're doing it the right way. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's so many people that just don't have a clue. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've encountered a lady recently that she graduated with her MBA from a very prestigious university. And as far as management and organization, yeah, she was spot on. But when it came to people and actually leading people, she didn't have a clue. Mm -hmm. And she ended up running off a lot of people. And, um, you know, just because she didn't know how to how to communicate with people and she really didn't know what leadership was. Yeah. Um, when, when you come into a scenario and, and you're you're if you're having to make the point to tell everybody that you're the boss. You know, there's a problem, there's a problem, you know, yeah. um, and, and so but it, it, you know, I've had all these different scenarios and, and I've just tried to take those things and harness them into being able to communicate that. OK, where's the breakdown in those things? How, how is that a problem and how can we fix it and what can we do to be able to make you know, other organizations better. Um, you know, if, if they, if we can, if we can make an impact that way, whatever direction it is, 
you know, I want to be able to, I can talk on healthcare topics. I, I love talking on leadership and success and talking about the things that I've, you know, the principles that I've adopted, um, you know, to get where I'm at. Uh, you know, I'm at a point now where I went from being, you know, living on the streets to now I have a, a, a wife and five kids. And, you know, our oldest kid is 29. He's married with, with three kids. Our second son is married. He's a fireman paramedic. Our oldest is in the service. Our youngest son is in the service. His twin sister is getting ready to go to nursing school. And we have one left at home and she's wanting to be a veterinarian. And But we have, we've raised kids that are service-minded kids. They're all going into some sort of service industry. And, you know, we, we've raised them with that servant leadership mentality. And, you know, when they go go into scenarios that we we tell them you're going in and you need to be the leader use the leadership skills that you've been taught and then serve people with it and that's what i want to continue to do and i want to continue to set the example for them and, and everybody else that you know that that's watching me so absolutely absolutely ah oh, you shared some gems with us today thank you some absolutely <laughs> um thank you for being transparent with us and showing up in your authenticity and giving us perspective, right? You know, I've never, I've met a lot of people. I've never met anyone who's gotten their bachelor's degree in two and a half years. No. That that <laughs> feels like it should be in the Guinness World Book of Records. I don't know, but I personally feel like you should look into that <laughs> because- <laughs> that's crazy um i just want to congratulate you in everything that you've done everything that i know that you're going to do mm-hmm. you're going to do some amazing things and be able to impact so many people there's just no limit to your potential and what you can do as long as yeah. you keep showing up every single day yeah and that's the important thing is you know i've got social media i have a facebook page and um, an Instagram page and things like that. I tend not to post a whole lot on my Instagram page, but every day I put out something on Friday uh, each morning, <clears throat> just some sort of little motivational thing, you know, whatever my thought is for the day and, and those things. And sometimes it'll have kind of spiritual type, type, you know, component to it. Some days it's just, just a basic success principle. You know, today I was just talking about planting seeds. You know, uh, what are the seeds that you're planting, whether you're raising your children or if you're an employer or, a manager or a boss of other people, what are you doing to plant the seeds to grow other people? And, you know, and what are you doing to cultivate that and allow that to continue to grow? Because if you do, you're going to be able to sit back and you're going to be able to watch what that flourishes into and what the impact that will have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just an example of, one of, the, of what I put out this morning. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I want to, I really want to try to get out and serve as many people as I can. I, you know, God's always going to take care of me. He always has. Um, you know, I've always had to, I've had to work, work, work my butt off for everything that I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it, 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 I've truly had to embrace, if it's up to, if it's, if it's to be, it's up to me. Um, and, uh, I haven't ever had anything just handed to me. I've always had to work for everything that I've got. And, but I think because I had to do, I've had to do that one, I have a greater appreciation for everything that I have. And I've tried to pass that on to my children as well. And, you know, um, and I think it reflects when I get up and I talk to people, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think it reflects just in this conversation that we've been able to have. Mm-hmm. 
100%. I have one more question before I let you go. Okay. Ready? So, Dr. Davis McAllister, what does resilience mean to you? The resilience, um, resilience is the ability to be able to overcome an obstacle. Um, and, and, you know, there's components to resilience. You have, you know, you have uh, resourcefulness, you have determination. Um, but resilience is, is it's being able to stand in the middle of a storm and not get knocked down by the storm. Um, you know, you're, you're always going to have challenges in life. And I've heard a lot of different speakers get up and say this and, and different formats, but you know, life is all about problems. You're always going into a problem. You're in the middle of a problem or coming out of a problem. And most of the time you're in all three phases at the same time mm. in different areas of your life. And if you look at life as, as solving a problem, you know, then it gives you a whole different perspective and it gives you a better perspective. Um, if you find yourself in the, one of those positions that why do I keep going around this block? Why does the same thing keep happening to me? The answer is really, really simple is, you know, if, if you don't learn the lesson the first time that it happened, guess what? It's going to get put in front of you again. And if you don't learn it, then guess what's going to happen? You're going to go through that again. God's going to put you through that again. And you're going to keep going around that block until you finally learned your lesson. And then you get to go to the next block. And then you're going to go around that one. And then eventually you end up with a foundation, you know, and then these lessons that you learned here are going to contribute to this one, mm -hmm. this block that you're going to have to go around here. And that's what our entire life is about is, is the journey of learning everything we can continue to grow, continue to mature, continue to develop and gain knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And then what do you do with that? You know, you take it and you share it and you, you try to help other people in their growth process. Um, hopefully you try to learn things in life. You know, there's two ways to learn things in life. You're either, you know, there's the easy way and the hard way. You know, the mm -hmm. easy way is that you listen to people that have already gone through it and you take, you listen to what they had to endure and you take their advice and, and be able to embrace that and move on and overcome whatever obstacles in front of you. Or you can learn it the hard way. Don't listen to anybody and figure it out on your own yeah. um, and, and go ahead and bump your knees and, and, you know, make those mistakes and get your scars and bruises out of it. So, you know, that that's kind of the, you know, so for me, resilience is about, you know, taking on those problems, taking on those obstacles, taking on those blocks, however you want to refer to it. And, and you know, what do you do to get around it? Yeah, absolutely. Resilience in action. Mm -hmm. it's, the, it's always, I get, I ask this question at the end of every single podcast mm -hmm. and I get, I've gotten a million different answers. And then the one consistent is, is resilience is the doing. Mm -hmm. It's the actions. It's the preparation. It's the execution. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's the doing. It's the, yeah. it's more than being, it's becoming, right? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Davis McAllister, thank you so much for spending some time with us and really, really, you know, giving us some perspective and some insight on how you've navigated some obstacles and, and what you've done to, to overcome them. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Hey, hey, hey. Did you know I wrote a book? It's called The Value Method, Five Steps to Unlocking Your Greatest Potential. And in it, I share just that. Five wildly easy, actionable steps that will set you up to have a greater human experience daily. I've included interactive worksheets, 
and small assignments at the end of each chapter, you're literally creating a living blueprint of your best life. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to purchase your copy and a copy for a friend. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate and review. And remember, resilience in action will always lead to a greater human experience.